1: zombies ate my podcast
2: hello and welcome to zombies ate my podcast i'm your host ryan murphy and joining me as always is the busy zombie lord lou page and a special guest but lou thank you for joining me it's we're gonna talk about walking dead but our special guest this week to talk about the walking dead is jocelyn kearney my co-host on the gamers in jocelyn thank you so much for joining us on the show
1: thanks for having me
2: yeah, we're looking forward to unpacking the remainder of the Walking Dead season nine, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it, and I doubt Lou will as well. Never. We, we we have disagreed for the last couple months on this show, so we figured, <laughs> hey, we'll just uh, wait until it's all done, and then we'll talk about it all, and we won't, and Lou won't go on a, a on a diatribe about how he got these scars, you know. So, we're,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. So without further delay uh let's get into this jocelyn i want to start with you because obviously being the guest and the fact that you stepped away from walking dead at a very pivotal moment where a lot of people stepped away Mm -hmm. and that was with the huge cliffhanger with negan appearing and then uh of course negan taking out glenn and abraham that was that was a bit too much for you and and you stepped away from the show what brought you back to the walking dead after that moment
1: Well, basically what happened was I stepped away from Walking Dead at that point in time because I found that that whole first episode back, so the season premiere where Glenn and Abraham died was like, first of all, just the Glenn death was over the top, excuse me, over the top gory to the point that the image of it stuck in my face head and like i close my eyes and see it Mm -hmm. and i i have no problem with gore normally so for something like that to just stick in my head i was like you know what i don't need to be exposed to stuff like that if this is the direction that they're taking it is just like total shock value i don't i don't need that (laughs) <laughs> like it's just I, I, this is supposed to be fun and entertaining and if you're that's... not supposed to traumatize your audience yes it was <laughs> that's a really good word for it. i did it was a traumatizing image and i was just like you know what i don't really need this and then i also felt like with abraham dying first and everyone knowing that glenn was the one that was supposed to die at that point in the comics but with there being so many departures from the comics it's like you had a minute of thinking that maybe he's safe, but then they kill him in such a brutal fashion. I was just like, I felt like the creators were toying with me in a way like that. They just wanted to get like a reaction. And the reaction that they got out of me was not one of like, Oh, you got me. It was Mm -hmm. like, well, that kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth.
2: Yeah. It was (laughs) a lot of people had that F this noise.
1: Kind of yeah. reaction
2: to that episode, and I remember on this show, Lou and I and Bob were all like, "Uh, this is kind of gross." And and you know that season, as it continued, pretty much didn't dip back into that much gore. Uh, it, it it played it pretty Walking Dead safe from then on out, and we haven't really had another one of those moments. No, there head.
1: hasn't. There hasn't been another one of those moments. But I think the the more important part of the question isn't necessarily why I left, but why I came back. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was uh, mostly interest in hearing that Rick was leaving, mm-hmm. uh, as well as just the availability of the episodes. Because the other thing that really got me with the later seasons of walking dead so i guess it would have been kind of like end of 6 into 7 i think cuz the beginning of 7 is when negan shows up right or am right. i one season ahead of there no i think that's right
0: yeah no he shows up at the end of 7 maybe oh, yeah and then and then all of 8 we have
1: him i think well is oh six... no he shows up at the no, end, there of yeah, end, of end of 6 yeah 6 into six, seven. 7 yeah cuz i was going to say i i definitely like binge watch seasons seven and eight leading into season nine so season nine was the only season that i watched week to week Mm -hmm. everything else i watched um i binged it and i think that had a big that really helped as well because i felt like especially when when they brought negan in as much as a lot of walking dead episodes have been um they've been suspenseful and there were some cliffhangers season seven specifically to me felt like if I hadn't been if I had been watching that week to week if I had somehow made it through that super gory premiere and I'd been watching week to week I don't think I would have made it much further (laughs) because it just seemed like they were trying to stress me out trying to make me anxious and trying to like lead me on to these cliffhangers with every single episode and I was just like this is why I left is because it wasn't so much a continuation of a story, because obviously all of the seasons have had overarching, like, storylines. Mm-hmm. But it just felt like they were, like, dangling the next episode right in front of me, and not in a way that was, like, pitillating, like I couldn't wait to see it. It was like, oh my god, what's going to happen next? Like, oh. Mm-hmm. And so I think that being able to, like, not have that week in between episodes and just be like, Resolve the things that I needed resolution on in my own time Really made it possible for me to get through season seven specifically. Um, I felt like season eight Was better and got better and then season nine I thought was really good So like it but just that that season seven was was rough to get through Yeah, even being able to binge (laughs) back-to-back
2: Yeah, I think uh, Lou you know, before we jump into season nine, just correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe season seven would have been the first time we stopped going week to week on the show yes. with Walking Dead. Yes,
0: Down. it's also when it became the weekly episode of Lou telling you why the show sucks.
2: Well, yeah, and before, <laughs> before that, it was the weekly show of of Lou predicting and writing for AMC. We we have a <laughs> Lou has a very uh, <laughs> unstable relationship with AMC, but, <laughs> and it, and it differs every six months because we, you know, we obviously talk about a lot of walking dead content and uh, now with two shows and they're in, them announcing a third one. We, this show will never ever stop. Uh, no. <laughs> because of AMC. <laughs> unfortunately, there's uh, been before, a third Walking
1: Dead Show announced? Yeah. Yes. I
2: don't know if we talked about it on this show, but um, it's basically set around two female protagonists that are surviving in the post apocalypse. And I think it's Someplace like else. Someplace else, further on in the apocalypse, I believe, was the set. It was a unique setting in that it wasn't the beginning, but more so like the time frame we're in now, like the further on. And it's it's centered around these two female protagonists and
0: That's all they've told us. And they're younger. Oh Oh, it's
2: it's the first genera the new the new generation of kids that have grown up with the apocalypse and and were born in the apocalypse and that's what they're looking at. So it's kind of a teenage drama thing i think they're looking at i
1: was gonna say yeah the the whole teenage thing kind of could potentially be a problem because we saw some of that in season nine right and that was probably some of the least yeah least compelling content i think from season nine was the teenage stuff you
2: could think riverdale but in the zombie apocalypse maybe maybe that's what they're going for. yeah
1: and again like riverdale is another one of those pretty little liar type shows where it's just like oh there's just it's like there's drama for the sake of drama, and it's not interesting because they're still so young and it just, it's like, really? These are your problems? This is what you're worried about?
0: <laughs> well, yeah.
2: yeah, more of that, I guess, in the near future.
1: Yeah, I, I have things to say about Henry. <laughs>
2: well, we're, we're, we're gonna talk about Henry, so let's let, let's not delay any further. Let's talk about season 9. I've, I've kind of split it into three major arcs, so we don't, you know, go episode by episode, 20-minute block by 20-minute block. So, season 9 breaks up into three main categories obviously the first one being the end of rick grimes and we talked about rick grimes and him being sent off from the show on uh, you know c- countless times countless episodes on the, on zombies in my podcast but obviously jocelyn you haven't had a chance to share your opinion on this major character you know final episodes what's gonna happen is he gonna die is he gonna be sent away a movie deal blah 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 so what were you what were your interact like your interactions with this character you watched episode or season 9 week by week like did you think he was going to die did you think they were going to send him off like what were your thoughts going through week I'm
1: week? I'm glad that he ended up going out the way that he went out because he had this like big heroic moment and I think that that was very fitting mm-hmm. it was a nice goodbye to a character that I think we'd really um just grown to love. I I mean, like, there's there's a lot to to hate about the writing around Rick, and he's been better in some seasons than others. But I think like the actor himself did just such a good job. And you got so used to seeing him, right? He's like, he's like the comfort. He's your your safe place, your comfort zone in Walking Dead, right? Like, Rick is Rick, and he's always gonna be there. But as soon as you hear that the actor is leaving the show, you're just like, Oh, God, all bets are off. Like, how are they going to deal with this? How is this going to go? And uh, I'll I'll admit, I think that they um, made him a little bit too superhuman because if anyone else had got bucked off a horse onto a concrete thing and get impaled on rebar, they would (laughs) have just died. But for some reason, Rick was able to pull himself off and get back up on the horse and continue leading the horde. So I feel like it was they went, A little too far with the superhuman Rick and with the, um, like, oh, is he gonna die? Oh no, he's okay. Oh, he's gonna die. Oh no, he's okay. Like they (laughs) went, they did that a little too much with him. I think everyone
0: knew he was leaving. I feel that's the thing that AMC does too much is we, they know that we all know things beforehand because things get leaked. And instead of just telling us their story, it feels like they rewrite the script and reshoot scenes so that we go, Oh no. Oh no. And they do it every single time to the point where I'm like, I don't care. Just tell me what's going on.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I can see that. But, but with Rick, I feel like, um, as much as I liked watching him and it was funny because I watched season nine of Walking Dead before I watched season five of Fear the Walking Dead. So I had all of the episodes without Rick and then you watch Fear the Walking Dead and the first episode is because it's all about Morgan moving over to Fear the Walking Dead and you see Rick on screen again. And you're like, oh, Rick, oh, I miss him. But it's really <laughs> funny because I don't actually miss him in The Walking Dead at all. Like I feel like his departure actually opened up just creative space for a lot of the other characters so it Daryl in particular I felt like um, Daryl and Rick and their like not necessarily their their characters but just like the actors and the writing it's almost like they split like the main guy role and both of them were so popular it was just like AMC didn't really know how to balance the dialogue and the roles between those two uh, actors and those two characters because Daryl was, like, totally out of nowhere, created for the TV show, became an instant fan favorite. Like, I, I feel like Daryl was a little bit of a surprise for AMC mm-hmm. in terms of, like, his popularity and, and how amazing the actor does playing Daryl. So I, I think that they just didn't really know how to handle that. and the, And the longer The Walking Dead went on the more uh, skilled Daryl became, the more of a leader he became, and they were just like, Ooh, like we have so much story, but we really only need one character to tell it. So do we give it to Daryl? Do we give it to Rick? Like, let's just sideline Daryl for a bit. And uh, I feel like with the straight up departure of Rick, it's allowed Daryl to really come into his own. And he's getting a lot of really good writing now. I was really happy with Daryl in the second half of season nine. Yeah,
2: it's I mean, this is something that Bob would certainly remind us of is that with Rick leaving uh, and Bob having read a lot of the comics, Bob would say, well, you know, Rick leaving a lot. This is not my Bob impression (laughs) with Rick leaving. You know, you have a lot of these comic roles that are then, you know, sprinkled off into other people. So you see a lot of Rick's scenes with Michonne. You see a lot of Rick's scenes with uh, Daryl and Carol and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. So I think it allowed them to kind of not necessarily change the events that happen when they adapt it, but more change the people involved in those events. Mm -hmm. And, And you've seen that chain reaction even just with the 12 episodes after. You know, uh, Rick is gone, and you know, Lou. That that takes us over to the time jump. We get the time jump. We see Judith Grimes. We see the new uh, the new group, uh, Magna's new group, which is essentially just a a random ragtag of good people. We find out, and we're introduced to this very closed world, and more mystery, and just more decay in the world, and. We get the story of the scars we get we basically at the end of the first episode after rick is gone michonne has this like weird x on her back and they just constantly keep hinting at this that
0: something bad thing. happened yeah. and i kept saying they keep hinting at this but it's never going to live up to expectations and for me it didn't yeah. um uh it, I felt like they had the chance to do something different with the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show always leaves you with a dour note or a sour taste in your mouth. They, our heroes are never happy for very long. And so when we they send Rick off, you're hoping that, yay, we got five years in the future and it's going to be five happy years. And it's like, no, happiness didn't last long at all. It lasted six months. And you're like, really? Really? That... You couldn't let us me as a viewer have any kind of hope. So for the last 5 years there's been nothing but but hostilities and borderline fighting and people not wanting to socialize because of an event. And of course they wait halfway through the season to tell us what the event was and I personally felt the event was kind of lame and a letdown.
2: Hmm yeah we haven't had a chance to talk about that event and that's it's, it's yeah. uh, you know kind of what we're alluding to here in that um with with the ti- <laughs> a
1: terrible horrible person named jocelyn <laughs>
2: oh, what
1: yeah, oh right, right, right.
2: Joc- is that the character that i didn't that's even make uh, oh i'm with so ben. sorry
1: yeah,
2: uh, yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I actually only just watched all of these episodes over the last couple of days and i knew you were going to be on the show and i'm like oh this is going to be great <laughs> i didn't even make that Literally. connection
1: I was like i was two weeks behind on watching walking dead and um i think either garrett or dill said to me like oh man did you see the episode on sunday there's a character named jocelyn i'm like no there's never characters named jocelyn this is amazing i'm gonna oh no no no
2: <laughs> yeah that's that is an unfortunate naming of it and that's the thing is like i i, I think you know jocelyn you and i talked about this off air i think when the re you know the evidence for you being on the show is before gamers in we spent about an hour talking about the walking dead and i thought you know what you should come on the show let's talk about the season and one of those things was this the mystery box this thing that tv's been doing since lost where they tease an event with some sort of sign or signature in this case the scars on multiple characters and also the fact that there is this like closed door mentality at uh, Alexandria with Michonne being, you know, the the security council and she can oversee to everybody because she can veto being the security person. And when it comes to this event, like they, Lou, you're right. They hold on to it and then they and then they tell that story in the second half of of the season after the whispers have been introduced. So this whole time, the whispers are starting to, you know, creep up on our on our protagonists. And in the background, we are constantly being alluded to this event that occurred. And we finally get that episode that talks about that event. And it starts off with what I thought was the episode starts off with what I thought was a very touching moment that I would have loved to see earlier in the season, which was the story of Michonne and Daryl searching for Rick's body and Michonne mm, right. being pregnant with RJ at probably like three or three, three, to six months. Right. And that was a scene that I was like, "Ah oh, man, Rick, that's right. He's dead. You know, cause the time jump kind of puts him very much so in the background. It's been long enough where they still, you know, think about him, but they're not actively mourning every second of every scene. Right. So i really dug Which the start I, think, of that I think
1: that was a really good choice to be honest was like let's just push the show however far we think it needs to be that like his presence is still there because the kids are there but not to the point where like we just have to be sad for the rest of the season mm-hmm. it's like it kind of gave everybody else some space to just like move past it instead of feeling like we were dwelling on the fact that andrew lincoln just left right right yeah
2: yeah. And I mean, Lou, I know you're going to remind us, they gave us plenty of other reasons to be sad, but, uh, this episode with the scars, like it wasn't like, what were your theories before they unveiled what had happened? Because like, I know a lot of people were thinking, Oh, their kidneys got stolen. I'm like, I think we underestimate the capabilities of the kidney stealing medical the business. medical community.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's that you're right. Like it just, it seems like any kind of organ harvesting was a little bit of a stretch. Um, Personally, for me, the reason I found the story of the Scars to be so disappointing was because it had nothing to do with Maggie. Mm -hmm. I was kind of waiting for this big Maggie Michonne Fallout episode, to, and I knew that Maggie wasn't coming back. But I was like, there's got to be some way for them to tell us this story that isn't just, you know, like... Michonne made a choice and walled off Alexandria from the outside world and that pissed Maggie off. Like I thought there was going to be more to it than that. So when it turned out that it was like some outside influence that we only saw for one episode that really didn't impact anything before or after other than just these scars. And then, you know, like Michonne decides she's not even going to talk to all her friends. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really, really weird. I feel like if anything, that would lead me... If I had some stranger show up on my doorstep and then harm me in some horrible way, like, I would want to reach out to my friends, stay in touch with my friends. Like, uh, there would be no reason for me to close myself off. I would want as much support as I could get. So it seemed to me that where there was no direct falling out between Maggie and Michonne that was given to us in the show, I was kind of like... Like, I I don't know what it, like, maybe that, like, I was thinking they would have some giant fight over, I don't know, like, resources or trade or something or, like, uh, and then someone would make a Negan-like move, whether it was Michonne or Maggie, and, like, trying to force the other one or something, and then, you know, Maggie brands Michonne as a traitor, and that's where Mm. the X comes from. Like, I, I was thinking something more... Uh, related to the characters that we knew. So when it was this like one-off story, I was kind of like, "Uh, oh, this is a little bit of a letdown."
0: Yeah, I-, I was kind of expecting and hoping that it would be something like someone was trying to rescue Negan and they got captured by like mm. ran- r- like like saviors that were trying to rebuild the cause or something like that.
1: And or even like what they ended up showing with like Maggie going there and trying to kill him and, you know, maybe that could have been the in between story where like, we don't actually see Maggie going there. But we just say like, no, Maggie tried to kill Megan. And there was a big knife fight. And that's how Michonne got cut or something like maybe there was no significance to the x pattern. It was just they were fighting, she got cut a couple times like you know that also could have been a thing, but then yeah, it wasn't. So it yeah. was a branding thing, which was weird. It, and again, like I, you're, you're right, there was more than one person with the scars. Mm-hmm. And I think that that also was like maybe if they just left it to Michonne, they would have had more wiggle room. Mm-hmm. The, uh, uh, I the, I think I was
0: supposed to care more that that Michonne had to kill those children to rescue Judith, but I was like, yeah, no, they. are Bad kids trying to kill you. You gotta I do mean, what you gotta do. You gotta like, feel a
2: little <laughs> bit. She was kill- I, She was defending herself, but she was... These kids were brainwashed. I, like, kids are very susceptible to, like, an adult educating them on, on how to survive, I-, I suppose. I mean, you know, I tell my kid, like... You need to take your you you need to take your 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 diaper off for you to go to the bathroom. If you pee in your diaper, that's not gonna help you go potty training, right? Like, oh, I get right. it. So when the apocalypse, like, if you're telling these kids, like, no, you got to kill this person and steal all the kids because that's how we have our kid army, like, uh, Michonne was defending herself but you got to understand like yeah she probably feels pretty conflicted about defending well, herself
0: I, I, I get the way she feels conflicted but i think i as a viewer was supposed to feel conflicted where i was like no nah, let's get this over with like let's tear the band-aid off True. you've killed kids on the show before
2: not in that fashion though that was not in that pretty... fashion yeah it, it like it, it don't get me wrong like it was super dark like michonne having to do that and i kind of agree with both of you in that like yeah okay michonne's probably in a bad way but like how does that then cause all the communities to kind of sh- you know get angry get, like, get angry at alexandria and sort of shun them but i think really what it comes down to is like maggie what? left and they had to write her off because she went to do another show And Alexandra shutting her doors, like, I think Michonne just took it way too seriously. He's like, well, you know what? If we can't trust somebody I knew from before, we just can't trust anyone, you know? I don't think she was shutting the doors on the other communities. That was just a byproduct of shutting the door to just anyone that happens to come across these communities. Like, it's just easier to take care of ourselves and not involve the outside world.
0: And I understand the concept of after that happening, her doing it, but I feel like five years was too long of a oh, definitely. Really? That that That's how far? You've gone so far down the path of not opening the doors that, like, people don't even know who lives in your city anymore, in your town anymore. That's a little much. Well, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, I agree, yeah. and what I was going to say was that it's kind of odd that Michonne shutting down Alexandria had any kind of impact on the relations between Hilltop and Kingdom. Like, right. why was Kingdom totally cut off? And that was the other thing about this story that I found um, just lackluster is that it didn't explain th- how the kingdom got so isolated.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it could be geography as well. Like I'm trying to picture in my head, what the map looks like. And I think Alexandria is South of uh, Hilltop and Hilltop and Alexandria are fairly close, but the kingdom I think is is farther, farther west as farther east of Alexandria but to get from Alexandria or sorry to get to the kingdom from the hilltop there there was that bridge but again I don't know that I don't I don't know if there's been a map that's been put out and that's just in my mind of like It's
1: the internet I'm sure there's a map somewhere that explains yep. how far apart these things Yeah, didn't
2: are, you but- used to be a GIS gamer <laughs> of some kind? Yeah,
1: something like that. <laughs> yeah. I'm
2: sure there's a map and I'm sure we could look at it and be like, "Oh, okay, that makes sense." But at the end of the day the show needs to educate us on that not we shouldn't have to look at it. this isn't game of thrones even game (laughs) of thrones shows us the map every single episode (laughs) (laughs) Yep, exactly (laughs) i just came to that conclusion of like wait a minute game of thrones literally shows us a map so maybe the walking dead needs to have a map at the start of every episode i mean Mm -hmm. now that you have all these communities you're not just worried about yeah we're in the prison and we bury somewhere nearby now you're like Alexandra, o- Oceanside. This is something we haven't even talked about. Like Oceanside, just happens to be an like a, just a bystander community. Like they just show up when it's necessary. We were yeah, thinking there was a huge mystery that they were just defunct, but no, they're they're fine. They're just,
0: you yeah, know, they don't even. expect Oh yeah, they're gone. But oh yeah, they're here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I don't. Maybe they killed all the necessary characters, so they didn't. I mean, there was that moment pre Rick's death where Oceanside was heavily involved with the culling of of some saviors and maybe that set them so far back that they just they're such a small community but i think it just comes right down to like they wanted to focus on these three and oceanside is just so oh we have this community we have to involve them we can't just wipe them off the map but
1: yeah it very much felt like uh when we need the numbers when we need to fight then mm-hmm. we call oceanside yeah. but other than that they're not central to the story really
2: yeah. So uh I mean that pretty I think that pretty much wraps up like the scars. I think the scars were something that just kind of were there to try to explain the tension and I think you're right, Lou, like five years at some point you're gonna come to a realization where like maybe we need to work together. Um it didn't feel like Alexandria was that self sufficient and after the Savior War, why would you stop helping your friends? It makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully going forward, now that they've resolved that sort of conflict, even though that, that closing of the doors somewhat created the issue of uh, the end of this season with the Whispers and their ability to infiltrate, unbeknownst to a lot of the people they tricked. But let's talk about the Whispers. This is the Whispers arc has started. Very strong beginning. I know, you know, Lou and I, we, we highly agreed that the first appearance of the Whispers in the mid-season finale... they kill off jesus um sucks that you know jesus goes because he's a strong comic character still to this day but very creepy intro very cool sort of appearance of these new enemies uh so and then we head into the whispers arc and how how that sort of moves from then on so how did you jocelyn how did you feel about the death of jesus you know
1: so, I mean, as someone who doesn't read the uh, well, I, I guess uh, I stopped reading the comics at the Governor because mm-hmm. the the Governor comics were very much up there with the um, Glenn Death for me in terms yeah. of like triggering shocking things. So, I that's where I stopped reading the comics. So, you and I stopped at the same point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, I, I very much feel like um, as someone who doesn't know what's supposed to happen. There's so much more of a creep factor there. Like, I agree with you guys, a hundred percent the introduction of this new enemy, which we're not even one hundred percent sure they're like an enemy enemy because, I mean, Negan makes a really good point. I think it's like right at the end of the season. And he says, like, you never think you're the bad guy. right. So, like, you know, as much as like the saviors were doing, Bad things in the eyes of Rick. In the eyes of Negan, he was just trying to keep order and, you know, run a colony basically in the face of outside threats. Like Rick and his people went in and demolished an entire outpost. Like, (laughs) so, and I liked that kind of idea, that comparison there of like, yeah, okay, now at this point in the story, the Whisperers have killed 10 people and put their heads on spikes, but. Was that because they came in and just wanted to kill 10 people and put their heads on spikes? No, there was a lot of stuff that led up to that. A lot of like um, a misunderstanding seems like not quite the right word, but you know what I'm getting at, you know, like there's it's just it's escalated with Hmm. like actions on both sides. And it's like, you know, these communities probably seem like the bad guy to these people who have to wander around the woods Mm -hmm. (laughs) and. I think that the uh, the death of Jesus is the, I guess, probably the start of the whole thing, right? Which you can say, like, yes, that is a thing that the whispers did that was bad and unprovoked. Um, but the introduction to them was so cool and mm-hmm. so creepy and just like... I, I getting... think it's the best thing about them, is Yeah,
0: their introduction. Everything from that point on afterwards, they have their moments, but I don't find them any creepy afterwards anymore. And I don't yeah, them, the creep, I don't. yeah. And I don't think they're as compelling as the saviors. Mm. Yeah.
1: I do, I think they made a good choice in the casting of Alpha, because yes. I, I do like that actress. She also played uh, one of the precogs in Minority Report. Yep. And she just does this kind of off acting in a really good way. It's like, if you're going to be typecast as anything, I feel like the girl who's kind of off is a cool thing to be typecast as
2: (laughs) yeah she does a really good job i think
1: i was gonna
0: say she's not not ashamed to have her head shaved either no yeah
2: (laughs) she looks creepy bald and i mean most people do but she really pulls it off as this like strong and it makes sense like she's all in on this whispers vibe where like yeah if you're gonna be wearing a skin tight mask you probably don't want a head of hair right yeah and right. and yeah, her, their introduction very creepy. It creeps, and I think the creepiest part about it is that it scares the piss out of our out of our heroes in this show. And mm-hmm. when that zombie dodges and takes out Jesus, it's like it's that oh crap moment. Even as viewers knowing the whispers were going to be introduced, it's well, and still, I didn't know because yeah.
1: I again like I was totally out of the loop on all of this. So when mm-hmm. that happened, I was like I vaguely knew that there was like. Some weird people who walked around whispering to zombies. But I had no idea that like they wore zombie faces. I didn't know that they were like in the hordes with the zombies. I thought it was like they made just enough noise to direct a herd. And you know I, I didn't realize no. the extent of what it was that they actually did. So I didn't know that there were people who looked like zombies in the graveyard when it happened.
2: Yeah and quickly after like when we return from the mid-season finale we have the mid-season premiere you've got the whispers fully introduced uh we see our first uh sort of interaction where daryl and michonne kind of take some whispers by surprise where you already start to see how they're going to sort out who's a whisper and who's not because what we've seen so far is that the whispers are traveling with a small selection of of walkers right where it's not the horde which we will get to in a bit but you know we see that interaction where they take they shoot the knees they you know obviously oh i'm i'm not a zombie i'm a person that was my i took an arrow to the knee and uh and and they kidnap lydia and that's the second phase of the whisper the start of this whisper arc is that lydia being the daughter of alpha they take her back to hilltop And then that's, I guess, the retaliation for Jesus being killed, right? As they're trying to figure out more about their enemy. And that's where we get uh, the introduction of more teenage drama with Lydia and Henry.
0: Which, way back when, like back in seasons three, four, and five, my gripe was always, whenever I had something bad to say about the show, it was always the teenage angst that they gave Carl. And then they took that away and they advanced Carl and made Carl an interesting character. They took away the teenage angst. And I feel like Henry was literally just placed here so they could give us the angst again. And it was almost like they didn't learn their lessons that this was something that people didn't like before. So why are you bringing it back? I had no problem with them having him have some kind of bond with Lydia. I just thought they did it all so ham-fisted. That it was... You saw where it was going a mile away.
1: Well, and I I do understand where you're coming from. And I did not enjoy Carl being all angsty. I didn't enjoy Henry as a character. I think Lydia was a little bit more interesting. But still, like there were basically all the teenagers involved in the show. um, Like early Carl and then all the ones now in season 9. And I guess season 8 as well. But uh, they've been pretty awful because of all this teenage angsty writing, but I don't think... I think they just have a problem writing children because yes. I don't think that Judith is written well either because nope. they basically took took a kid and then made her, like, wise way beyond her years and they skipped all the teenage angsty stuff, which I kind of... I, I appreciate because I don't want to watch that part, but at the same time it's like okay you can give them a little bit of leeway because she's a child growing up in the apocalypse she's gonna have to learn things that normal kids don't learn but at the same time when she's it was especially that episode where she wanders off and i think it's actually the same scars episode again because michonne has to go find her and then they have this heart to heart and she's like when did we stop loving our friends or whatever and i'm like okay judith like Honestly, <laughs> that should, that is not a lesson that should be coming from you. Yeah. So I think they just they just don't know how to write anyone uh, under the age of 18. Yeah, I, and and I my the
0: thing that takes me out of it is like if you're going to write Judith to be wise beyond her years, that's fine, but then she chases the dog in a snowstorm and you're like yeah. You're like if you're going to make her wise, you can't make her do little kid things when you need
1: the little kid drama. But it's a yeah. dog. It's
2: dog. But you're right. I mean, you're right. But
1: he's a really smart dog who survived, what are we at now? Ten years of a zombie apocalypse? Exactly. Like, he <laughs> a snowstorm. Come back.
2: <laughs> he would come back. He would have eventually, I think, as a dog, figured out, oh, wait, I can smell. And then, like, figured out where the humans are. Because people don't shower as much in the apocalypse. You'd think you'd smell Negan a mile away, right? Yeah,
1: especially Negan. Like, at least all the other ones have houses with running water, but Negan's been in a cell. Yeah, he probably (laughs) smells. I bet that man smells.
2: Yeah, he's ripe. Uh, We try not to think about it, but he's ripe. Um, It's, yeah, so Judith aside, like, I think they've pretty much tried to wrap rick and carl into a single character and they just they age judith so high and then yeah when she has those snap judgments where she's suddenly a kid again which makes sense because she's still a kid it is a little jarring um but the fact that they take henry because carl would have been too old too old i think for this story arc to work between him and lydia They take
1: 100% because I feel like they they had to do that big of a time jump like you're talking about how problematic it is that it's five or six years later. They had to do that so that they could age Judith and RJ to the point where they could be characters on the show because they had killed off Carl. Yeah, so like they they had to do that big of a time jump, but then it became problematic for the rest of the themes of the season. So I feel like they're kind of past the point now where all of that stuff is problematic. They're past filling in the gaps in that time and now they can kind of move on from here. So I think that they're at a better spot now, but it was a rougher transition i think than it should have been just because they had to force the age of judith and mm-hmm. make that make sense right
2: yeah and i mean with henry the the storyline where you've got the the lydia henry storyline like there were moments there where you i liked lydia because you could see her being well this is just her surviving she's clearly playing on the emotions of this like star you know love struck horny teenager and that makes <laughs> sense, because she was raised by Alpha, who is this, like, survival by any means, living in the wilderness. She's a little feral. That was fine for me, but, like, again, I think it just amplified Henry's just... I don't know, like, just... There were moments where he'd run off. Like, the, the quintessential thing for a teenager to do in a zombie apocalypse is to run off, arms flailing. Yeah. like he'll never understand me! You know, and I just... You, it, you cringe because like you think the first thing you'd teach your, te- your teenager in the apocalypse is like, look, you're a teenager. You're going to have these wild moments where you disagree with me. Just do me a favor. Disagree with me within the walls. Don't go to some secret clubhouse where you have a pit of zombies that you feed and play ring toss with. Just keep your angst within these secure walls. Can you do that yeah. for me? And obviously that fails multiple times with Henry. He runs off trying to bring Lydia back. Cause of course they give Lydia back to alpha. She shows up with her sort of crew and says like, Hey, we're creepy people that wear dead skin. We want, I want my daughter back. And I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, well, maybe we should give the creepy lady, her daughter back. Yeah. And, and it's, yeah. that
1: choice was really interesting because in the moment you feel like you don't want her to go back. But right. I do <laughs> still think that was the right, choice to make at the time because if you were to switch that around to say rick and the saviors and if negan had carl like you would you would want rick to get carl back right and if negan had kept carl it would have been a giant war so you know if you flip it around and again this kind of goes back to the negan saying you're not the bad guy you know or like no one thinks they're the bad guy It's like, if you keep the kid away from the group that she's been with, then obviously you're the bad guy. So I agree with the decision to give her back because I mean, you don't even really know her all that much. And we just talked about how she's been raised, how she's manipulative and everything else. Like, She could have told all those stories because she gets inside the walls and she could be a spy. She could just want a better life than wandering around the woods. Like there's a whole bunch of stuff you don't know. I think giving her back to Alpha was the correct and good air quotes decision at the time.
0: I I agree. And I liked that story beat. The thing that took me out of that story beat was when there's the crying baby amongst the whisperers. And they, and, and, and alpha tells that lady to leave her baby there. I was like, wait a minute. So they're going to attack a group and you brought a baby with you. Yeah. Like, 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 and I will literally explain. I was watching the episode. I got up to get a soda and I'm just listening. And then next thing you know, there's somebody running through the thing with a baby, rescuing a baby. And I went, where did the baby come from? (laughs) <laughs> like i didn't even i had to rewind and sit back down and i was like wait where did this come from and i had to rewatch Who it like bring the baby <laughs> yeah i was like and so the implication is is that the group is so small they have to take everything with them mm-hmm. it was was my understanding and then later on alpha goes no 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 there's so many more of us than this and i'm like wait a minute well you're supposed to be hunter gatherers that live by he who is the strongest. Well, you're now implying that there's hundreds of you out there.
2: I'm not gonna. That make... doesn't
0: make sense. <laughs> I'm.
2: Not, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna play the other side here. As as someone, uh, you know, my wife uh, Ashley, two lovely kids, both uh, breastfed. Sometimes you just you gotta feed the baby and. If if it's breastfed, it's well, like that's, that's all it wants, and but then maybe leave her home. I guess. Yeah, leave <laughs> her
1: and the baby back, and bring another chick to take her place and stand in the field. Like maybe Alpha
2: was trying to show that she means business. Like we're so bad, we're so evil, we're so we'll kill babies. Ready to show you that we are we are not to be effed with. I will leave this baby, and we will turn this horde right around. You know, <laughs> and I, you know. <laughs> You're both making very valid points, and in the moment, it was like, "Oh man, she's super evil. She's gonna just like callously leave this baby to die." I
0: didn't but, think she was evil. I just thought, "Wow, you're really dumb." Well, yeah, you're poking <laughs> holes in it,
2: and, and honestly, like, you're all making valid points, and I'm like, you know what? That was really stupid. She probably should have left the baby with at her camp because an episode later or two, we we see that they have a camp, they have mm-hmm. a community, and you easily just probably could could left. But, but maybe I don't know. Can you leave the baby with somebody else in like a feral world? Would they have like? They'll leave
0: the lady behind with the baby. Take true. Somebody else.
2: Yeah, yeah, I guess, and that's normal animal behavior—is to I don't know protect the mother and her children, and and don't send the mother and children out on hunting and or high stakes negotiation exchanges. <laughs> I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. Well, okay, the other you're right. Thing is
1: too. Like I, I totally understand if she was trying to project, like you said, Ryan, that they were a small group that they literally had to pick up and move everybody because they only had a few of them. So if that's the ruse she was trying to play at, she should have let it go on longer. And so for her in that same like, Oh, look at us, we're so small, we even have to bring the woman and the baby to then in that same exchange, say, Oh, but look, there's so many of us like there's hundreds of us or whatever. It's just like, well, okay, so do you want us to think there's not a lot of you or that there are a lot of you because you're sending mixed messages and it just gets messy. (laughs) Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Um,
1: But overall, I think that the Whisperers, the the way that they were presented and the way they kind of came in was really cool. Their arc is going in an interesting way and I, I like that they're really playing up the idea of how easily they can basically camouflage and blend—it's like mm-hmm. the alpha walking through the fair scenes. I thought were really well done, yes. and I enjoyed that a lot because it showed the versatility of the group, and I think that makes them really compelling.
0: Yeah, I think I think they're definitely intimidating. I think that they that they can definitely show be a threat. Uh, when they show when she shows daryl that group in that valley and she's like yeah i have my people amongst them keeping them rally like 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 corralled in this canyon all we need to do is make one all i need to do is say one word and i can march them right to your city or to your town i was like yeah but and that's definitely scary but it's nothing that our heroes haven't fought before and well, I'm sure over time they've learned better ways to take out groups like this. So sure, bring them. We'll just start burning the zombies with your people amongst them. Start running. I mean, like the uh,
2: horde I mean the horde is one thing and you know not to get too caught up with it, but fighting a horde they're as we've seen with the whispers first coming in, their main their main tools have always been distraction that we see and that's how they tried to deal with the whispers when they first approached and they they saw that distraction wasn't working because obviously they could steer the horde and we've always seen in this show when they try to deal head first with with a horde you know by either taking it out guiding it um actually just trying to outright exhaust it through ammo or some sort of you know weaponry it just it always ends in despair people die like they're probably trying to avoid that sort of large-scale conflict um but i mean let's talk about the last two episodes first off with you know the pikes and the retaliation of the whispers because basically the whispers say hey this is our territory um you cross if anyone tries to go to the fair We'll be on the roads. We are gonna be. This is our territory now. You cross it, and you will pay. And obviously, the fair goes on at the kingdom. People cross it. They have the highwaymen to kind of, you know, roam the roam the roads, and that leads us into this moment where you you talk about the fair scene where Alpha's in is at the fair and interacting with Ezekiel, and
1: oh, I thought he was so dead, and I read afterwards that he did die in the comics, but mm-hmm. like the whole t- I love. Ezekiel, I think his character is really interesting. I think he does a great job acting as the king, but I think some of the, like the the scenes that he has where he like drops that persona, it just shows his range as an actor. And I just, I love every scene I see him in. I just think he does such he's, a great job. He's my favorite character in the show. And every
0: time I see him talk, I just go, yeah, you were also on Teen Titans hi cyborg <laughs> teen titans
1: yeah that is not a not a piece of trivia that i knew but he's the
0: I, voice I of, just... voice of Cyborg. cyborg he's the voice of cyborg in teen titans
2: huh. Ah. interesting i did not know that i guess i never really watched the show but um yeah so with the whispers and the fair and we we see alpha going around you're kind of thinking like you know they have these like flashbacks to to all these scenes where people are saying have you seen this person where's this person i haven't seen them oh we went to check on the thing and and then you they're slowly you know getting to the pike scene because obviously daryl carol and a couple other folks have gone looking for some some missing people on the well, road. They got,
1: yeah, they got caught, right? So yeah. then they're they're coming up the hill and those reveals of all the people doing what they were doing at the fair, but looking for their loved ones and then scanning across all the heads on the pikes. I thought that was the most powerful thing that they had done yes. in the entire season and possibly in the Walking Dead period, because I thought it, it was so much more powerful because they didn't show like all the beheading and everything mm-hmm. else, like the reveal that they were dead was enough to be shocking and emotional without having to show all of that gore, basically. Yeah, not, and that they ten, all... not that ten heads on spikes wasn't gory, but no.
2: but the <laughs> act of what would have it would have taken just it, like they take a lot of care to show the people that they caught fighting back. Um, three of the people who were on the pikes weren't even technically kidnapped they were actually trying to help the kidnapped right. people but it yeah. was the highwayman and uh one of the ex-saviors coming in dj and you get to see this moment where they fight back where you know saeed is telling the story of them fighting back and they don't you're right they don't show any of the gore they don't they don't even show the kidnappings they just like they kind of teleport you know, from the fair Which, to this location, but it was well I done. I thought that
1: was, I thought that was so much more powerful. The fact that they didn't show people getting taken because then it was like with every single reveal of who it was going to be. I still wasn't a hundred percent sure. Cause again, I didn't know exactly what was happening, but like I had seen the comparisons ahead of time that the episode was going to be like the red wedding. So I was expecting everyone in the theater to die.
2: Hmm.
1: So like the big guy from the kingdom, who's like the bodyguard, yeah. the right-hand yep. man of the kids, yeah. and his wife and their kids. I was like, oh man, you guys are toast. <laughs> and they were sitting right front row too. And I was like, no. Yeah. So I was expecting that whole theater to get wiped out and then to um, for everyone in the theater to turn. And then that was how the kingdom would fall was that everyone in the theater would then go out and attack the settlement basically and attack the fair. So right. when when they showed that, no, actually, the whispers had infiltrated and kidnapped all of these super important people, I still wasn't 100% sure until we got about halfway through all those reveals what it was that was actually happening. So they were showing, like, for instance, um, I can't remember his name, but he was a former savior, too. Um, the guy that was dating Enid who did the yeah. musical performance. Yeah. Um, when they showed him up on the stage, I was like... Oh no, did they kill him off? Like, I didn't realize that, like, he was looking in the crowd looking for Enid when she was the one who had, like, encouraged him to do the performance in the first place. Like, but once it started to all fall into place, and I actually went back and watched it again, I was like, wow, this is, it was even more powerful the second time. I think it was just, it was such a good episode.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I went from being kind of middling over the middle section, but I think the last three years, the last two episodes definitely were the most powerful of the whole season and yeah. made me go, okay, I'm ready for the next season. Whereas mm. before I was like, can we just get this over with? And then it was like, oh, wait, they're going to tell me a compelling story now. Great. Mm-hmm. Took you long enough.
2: Yeah. So the, the Pike the Pike victims, just to go through them, you've got the, the two highwaymen, you've got DJ, uh, a couple of uh, teenagers that were interacting with Henry, uh, kind of no name folks, and uh, another another no name lady, and then the big names being Tara. Well, she
1: wasn't a she wasn't a no name lady. She actually had had quite a big uh, part in the show because mm. her husband was uh, imprisoned for a while because he was the one who attacked Maggie when she was still pregnant. At yeah. the urging oh. of uh, of yeah. evil old guy that Maggie ended up killing. Yeah,
2: no, um, the, uh, yeah, She's the blacksmith's mod- uh, wife, Blacksmith but there was a wife,
1: yeah. there was another and lady they had a that kid, was, and then they had um the they took in the baby. Yeah, yeah.
2: there was there was another lady that was piked. It was a, I think it was a a redhead woman um that. That was there but uh, it was more of a side character than but i agree the the blacksmith wife it was oh, okay
1: i thought yeah i thought you were talking about the blacksmith's wife no no name the, lady the
0: black the blacksmith's wife is also a moderately famous actress who used to have her own sitcom in the 90s yeah so, i
1: knew i recognized her
0: yeah <laughs> and then there was which i didn't realize until they were like she became a bigger role in the last few episodes i was like wait she is who I thought she was. Okay. And then they were like, oh, she's dead. And I was like, of course she is.
2: <laughs> well, it was funny. They had her on Talking Dead and she was saying like, I kind of figured I was going to die because they only signed me for eight episodes in this season. So, you know, like it, it made sense. <laughs> and and so, yeah, she was, she was one of them. Tara and the lady, I can't remember her name, but she was... She was a a love interest for Carl at some point, and I—it's gonna kill me that I can't remember. Enid,
1: Enid, Enid. Enid.
2: Thank you, Enid. And then, of course, you know, you have Henry uh, on the tail end of things. And honestly, I gotta say, everybody fighting back in that scene where the whispers are have have basically enacted their plan—you know—they have them all kidnapped. Everybody fighting back. It was like, oh man, that's so—you know heart-wrenching and then you see henry just standing there with this stupid look on his face as alpha walks forward it's just like man what are you doing <laughs> like just dude do, i don't know It, i guess that's run away.
0: the way re- if you're not gonna do anything at least run away
2: i think he's just so dumbfounded because he's like oh shit <laughs> yeah I, it was just a weird look on his face and i didn't think it was the right choice but at the end of it i think it was less about henry and more about the reaction uh, the, the, of my, carol my
0: other- my other thing, too, was you don't know if the story he was telling was the truth or not. He could have been just telling them that so that they all thought their their friends and family died honorably when they may yeah. not have.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so um, that basically like basically wraps up the Whispers, in, in a sense, of the season. Because, uh, I mean, not Can that we our Can we just character- talk
1: about how we're actually sad about Tara, though? Because, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. She was just coming into her own as a Maggie replacement. And I was like, okay, they lost Maggie. They lost Jesus. Like, at least, like, Tara, I I can get behind her story. Mm -hmm. And I liked that they said, like, oh, yeah, well, you fought for the governor, but we still let you in. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I thought that there were a lot of interesting plot points with Tara. And I I do like her actress as well. So I I do feel like Tara was quite a big loss to the show, to be honest. The other
0: thing, too, is, is they're bringing
1: Maggie back
0: next season yeah uh, not full-time but she's supposed to be in a handful of episodes so my thought was oh they're gonna just bring maggie back or they're gonna make uh what's his name the king uh one of the new leaders of hilltop of
1: hilltop yeah yeah oh well,
2: that's right that's i was gonna of- say who do they who do they poured over but you, you know you're right i liked tara and i didn't understand the hate for her i liked her in every episode she was in i, I thought she was great and i didn't even
1: know that there was hate for tara i I'm there's pissed. this
2: weird underground it's called it's one of the it's part of the subreddit people were like really into hating on tara <laughs> and i just didn't get it i'm like you guys are monsters like
0: i i thought that sometimes her plot lines were a little weak or sometimes they put her in situations where i was like ah, eh, i'm not really interested in this or
1: that's yeah. fair enough, but but I,
0: but I didn't dislike the character. I was like, come on, give her give her some better stories here.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I didn't uh, I didn't dislike um, like the actress or that because there's some times where as much as like the writing is terrible, but the actress is good, or you know, like the writing is good, but the actress is terrible. Like I never felt like any of that kind of like applied to Tara. She sometimes was put in these, like, well, we need to put somebody here, so it might as well be Tara mm-hmm. type yeah. situations where, like, she didn't necessarily lend anything or the premise to get her there was thin. But I never thought that the actress did a bad job or that, no, you know, like, she was all. written in a particularly annoying way like angsty Carl. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah, she was... She, yeah. And and it's good to... It, like, when you have ten characters go all at once, it, it it's easy to kind of like look at certain characters and and focus on one because usually when there's a death it's usually like one or two big deaths but this is this is taking out 10 characters all at once no matter how small or how big they are you're gonna feel their
1: the impact of the
2: law yeah the impact but even then like this is a penultimate episode first time ever for walking dead to kind of do the game of thrones thing i love that I love that I, that, that well, the way they do it where they do the penultimate and then they have another episode after. Well, where you can kind of enjoy it. What? Am yeah. I wrong?
1: Well, I was just going to say that I feel like it's a an interesting dial for mm-hmm. sure. I don't particularly like it in Game of Thrones or now in Walking Dead and my but I mean my biggest gripe doesn't come necessarily with either one of the episodes. But my biggest gripe is that I saw, you know, on Twitter or whatever. Cause again, by this time I was caught up in watching week to week. So you've got a whole, you know, seven days in between. So there's lots of chatter and articles and everything else. So I did see, I think it might have been uh, Daryl, uh, might have been uh, Ezekiel too. I can't remember which actor it was or might have even been one of the creators. Doesn't really matter. Anyways, there was an article where they said, like, oh, expect more big deaths or like expect more. The snow is coming. Like, <laughs> it's gonna be a big episode and then so when it, it not that it wasn't a big episode it was still an interesting episode and it was a well-done episode it was just kind of like my expectations were a little bit higher for things to actually still happen and then when it was like oh no the whispers are in a place where there isn't even snow and oh by the way like nobody yeah. died i was like wait what <laughs> i i loved the fact that they introduced a snowstorm and and Mm
0: -hmm. things were falling and our heroes were trying to travel across the road before the storm hit i loved all of that i felt like the weakest point of the whole story was the whisperers because they showed us their camp like you know two episodes ago and the camp was tense and i'm like well they're frozen they're gonna die (laughs) and then they reveal them again at the end of the episode they're like yeah we went south and you're like for a day I don't know if you know this, well, but this show is oh. supposed to take place in Virginia or Washington, D.C., and it does get snow. If you want to go south, that's a long walk. Well, you think they yeah. – well,
2: okay, there's there's a lot of holes you can poke in this one. I, I, before I do that, I want to say they nailed, they nailed winter. I thought they did a great yes. job. The snowstorm was really cool. It's great to see weather impact the apocalypse. I think Fear the Walking Dead – did a really good job at showcasing some different weather that we haven't seen before.
1: Hurricanes. Man, I was just going to say the same thing is I feel like both the shows Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead did a really good job in their most recent seasons, bringing something in that I think should always be in survival shows in general. And that's Mm. weather when you don't have all of the modern conveniences that we have weather is a huge, huge deal. And it's like, nobody's dealt with like tornadoes. Nobody's dealt with hurricanes or frost or, you know, anything to do with seasons and all of this I find super compelling. Have have either
0: of you survived, uh, lived through a hurricane of any kind? No. No. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, I I have family up and down the East Coast and I used to spend summers in Florida with my dad. I've been through a Florida hurricane before and- They are scary, even with modern things. My dad had a bronze statue that came with one of his houses because the guy who he bought the house from couldn't afford the crane to move it out of the backyard, (laughs) so my dad just (laughs) left it there. Okay. And my dad was like, I don't understand why he had a a bronze statue of Ponce de Leon, but whatever, it's in my backyard. And a hurricane picked this thing up and threw it across the yard. Oof. And yeah. it was like hundreds of pounds. So there are scary. So when that showed up in Field the Walking Dead, I was like, yeah, this is really scary. This is real. And then snowstorms, I obviously know you guys have probably lived through your fair share. I was yeah. like, oh yeah, this is this, this is realistic. Somebody yeah. who wrote about this knew what they were doing. You
2: don't go outside yeah. in those types of storms. And you definitely don't try to like drive home in them. So you definitely yeah. don't try to like move in between homes in the zombie apocalypse. And I think they nailed... The Thread of Winter it looked great. Uh watching the behind the scenes was kind of interesting because it like oh there's no way they like transported all of the people and, and actors to like a winter setting. No, yep. they just literally recreated. They had the the beauty of a of a snowstorm is that you can kind of do it on a sound stage and just kind of white out everything and it's like it doesn't matter what the background is even if it's even if it's a sound stage, right? So they did it with a yeah. sound stage. It was really well done
0: yeah and it's just fake dust snow probably blowing at yeah. It's not, yeah yeah
2: because yeah. i was like how do they get snow to look so good in the hot georgia air <laughs> you know you've got, <laughs> but it was all it, it was all done really well and i'm sure like game of thrones you know in certain you know circumstances uses the same techniques but obviously you know game of thrones shoots in a winter setting but right. yeah the whole th- you know whispers going south like there are a lot of holes you can poke into it. I'm, like, will,
0: I'm willing to forgive it, but it was
1: like, it took well, me back a moment. I was like, okay, all right. It's storytelling. I'll, I'll take a step back. But yeah, my problem wasn't necessarily with the time it would take them to walk. Like maybe they noticed it was getting colder and they needed to go because like, I mean, there was between the heads on pikes and the snowstorm, there was quite a lot of time because there was enough time for Carol and Ezekiel to basically like have a falling out essentially and grow apart and the kingdom to collapse so we've got a couple months there i can believe that the whisperers would be able to migrate in that amount of time sure maybe that's what they've been doing this whole entire time when winter comes because winter comes every year which means they've survived nine or ten winters at this point so i can believe that they would be exhibiting migratory behavior Mm -hmm. that makes sense to me uh what doesn't really make sense to me is that um they and maybe it's because they have alpha's daughter still maybe it's they came back that tie but yeah the idea that they're that they would come back to the exact same place in the exact same territory and have absolutely no other misunderstandings and confrontations along the way that would distract them from being a threat in the next season yep. like It just that to me, when you're traveling in a zombie apocalypse over that great of a distance, whether they went, you know, no matter how far south they went, they went a state or two south. (laughs) Like that should be enough that there should be enough then between them and Alexandria that they just aren't a threat to Alexandria anymore because they've got bigger problems. Given mm-hmm, right. the way that we've seen Fear of the Walking Dead play out, given the way that we've seen just the Walking Dead play out, anytime anyone moves, even two towns away, there's another group that poses a problem. Yep. So, a vast migration of the Whispers, like there, wherever there is, and then back again, is what I find really hard to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe,
2: maybe they're, maybe you're right. Maybe it is the Lydia connection that she, f- you know, Alpha feels slighted. She's got a show her strength, like, if she if she runs from, you know, the communities, how does that bode for, for her alpha status? Like, maybe that's the question there. But Which
1: it, I find kind of funny, because, I mean, they say, like, oh, if you fall behind, you get left behind, and that's their mentality. So, to me, if that's what they've been living by for the last however many years, and she goes back for her daughter again, to me, that looks even weaker true. than... <laughs> You know, (laughs) I don't know.
2: I'm just trying to logic it, but you're right. Like it's, it's tough, you know,
1: I'm having trouble beyond like alpha just, you know, losing her status and, you know, not caring and just wanting to get her daughter back, which again, doesn't fit with the character that they've shown of how she believes, you know, in strength and weakness and, you know, no ties and all the rest of it and just pack mentality and alpha beta, all this kind of stuff it seems really weird and maybe it just is a whole lot harder when it actually involves your daughter and then you want to bend the rules but she's like abusive and fanatical so yeah it it just it's so it's so weird to me like to me i would say like she would be i would expect her to just walk away Mm -hmm. but you know that doesn't really fit A a big bad
0: Mm -hmm. narrative, right? So
1: that's fine. Uh, You know they're going to be our big bad for for next season,
0: and we're going to see things. My thing was is they show the walk from wherever the transporting the people from kingdom to hilltop and Alexandria, and Lydia is walking amongst them, and I love the scene with her and Carol, where Carol kind of takes her by the hand and is like, "Don't do it. It's not worth it. Come on, the others are waiting for us." Whereas Carol, old Carol, could have, would have just probably killed the girl and been like, yep, you know, a waste of time. It, it, it's almost like she's going to become Carol's replacement for Henry and her own daughter, is that she yeah. might take Lydia. And I think that that's an interesting story to tell. But as soon as Enid's uh, boyfriend saw her and started making accusations and blaming her for everything that had happened when it's really not the girl's fault that her mother's You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I think a majority of our characters view that way. They may not like her or distrust her, but I don't think any of them blame her for anything. But when you see him blame her, I said, I'm already calling it. Next season, he's going to try and rally a bunch of people. He's going to want to string her up when things hit the fan, and someone's going to have to kill him, and then they're going to end up having to somehow hide his death because they don't want people to turn against Lydia that Mm -hmm. that's going to be a plot point next season
2: I mean Alden's ex-savior right so Mm -hmm, it'd be it'd be really I I think it would be bad writing for him to like slip into the the behavior he left behind the blame
1: the outsider yeah Yeah.
2: I I mean I think I think Alden's just hurting and he he blaming the only whisper they have in their group that that he can point a finger at and um yeah, it sucks what happens, but I mean, we'll see what happens next season. Um, the last thing to touch on is basically they do another time jump. Winter, they survive once again. Uh, and obviously, we're skipping over a lot of points, the big season. But at the very end, we see that the communities have reconnected. They're talking over the radio. Judith and Ezekiel are talking. Ezekiel is now, probably, like you said, a leader uh, of the hilltop. And he leaves the radio room and then we hear a mysterious voice come over the radio saying like, oh, can you hear me now? It's the virgin guy, right? And, um, so yeah, who, who do we think that is? It It's not a very discernible voice. You, you can't pinpoint and say, oh man, it's Rick or Maggie or whatever. So clearly it definitely it's a,
1: sounded like a female voice to me.
2: It did sound. Yeah, I agree. It did sound female, uh, I, I don't know whether it's a character we've known before or whether it's a brand new character. But yeah, like this this kind of hints at maybe another, like a further community that may be introduced. Uh, yeah,
1: I mean, it could be one of a few things, right? It could be a new community that's being introduced. And again, not a comic book reader. Maybe what I'm saying here is total craziness. But uh, it could be a new community that we're going to find. It could be uh, Jadis. Because we are post time jump, right? So we know that she's she went away with Rick wherever Rick went, but there's nothing to say she doesn't survive whatever happens in the movies and she she could conceivably come back to the TV show, I would think. Um, or we've got and like Lou was saying, we are do we know for sure or are we just pretty sure that Maggie? Because the last uh, news I saw was that Maggie would always be open to coming back to The Walking Dead. I didn't know Uh, she'd actually been, like, signed again. They've they've
0: made arrangements for her to appear in episodes next season. Multiple episodes. But she's not in every episode for the whole season.
1: Right. So, I mean, it could all... That could be Maggie because the the theory was that, you know, Maggie... Or, I guess, uh, Jesus did confirm that where Maggie has gone is with the... The woman that gave them the plans to like build the windmills and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, Georgie. Georgie, yeah. So that's where Maggie has gone. So this could conceivably be Maggie radioing them from the caravan she's been a part of and coming back. I mean, there's a couple different possibilities here. Uh, uh, but- yeah,
0: there, there's several possibilities. And there was an uh, Angela Kang, who's the producer or uh, showrunner. She was asked if they know who that is on the other end or if that's supposed to we were supposed to recognize the voice and she said that they intentionally garbled the voice uh, they have some theories and plans that they're going to institute for the next season but that but that we were not specifically supposed to be able to identify the voice on the other end just oh, that okay. it's somebody just that it's somebody asking for help right yeah.
1: well i think it's an it's an interesting place to leave the season And uh, I did like that they were like the last episode was basically Ezekiel like narrating and telling Judith the story like I thought I thought that was all very interesting and well done. So I think that season nine for me, I very much enjoyed it. I liked watching it week to week. I thought there were some weaker points, but some very, very strong points. And I think that the departure of Andrew Lincoln as Rick was probably the best thing to happen to the show in a really long time. I'm also super stoked. For Negan to not be in prison anymore because I love Jeffrey Dean Morgan so much. (laughs) I think everybody does. And yeah, that was my
0: other gripe with the post Rick stuff is I understand that people don't like Negan and he's the bad guy and you want to keep him locked up in a cell and I get that Michonne doesn't trust him and I get all that stuff, but you're telling me that nobody wants to go in there and talk to him. He was in charge of the saviors for a long time. I'm sure he has stories to tell details about things they did i'm sure that there were other groups that he ran into they gave them yeah. issues that you can learn something from somebody like him you're telling me you just left him in a cell and gave him food every day and left him there I mean, I mean that he he may be a bad you may view him as a bad guy but you can still learn stuff like that stuff from people like that they
2: they probably picked his brain i mean he's been in prison for six years right so they probably picked yeah. his brain early on and i and i mean Alexandria had its doors shut so it's not like it was getting new people to to go to the Negan exhibit, but uh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm sure he had lots of folks talking to him. But um, obviously, Lou, you and I will have plenty of time to talk about, you know, The Walking Dead Season 9 and, and Season 10, which will be starting up in October over the summer. But uh, I, I wanted to get, you know, Jocelyn, your take on Fear the Walking Dead. And I know, Lou, you're very much looking forward to Season 5, which will be starting up June 2nd. And we'll be covering it probably week to week, if not, uh, you know, every two episodes. I didn't realize
1: it was starting again that soon. I mean, so for me, I I didn't watch this week to week. It was very much something that um, I got. I can't even remember. I think it was uh, they uploaded seasons because I watched the first season of Fear of the Walking Dead. And I was like, this is terrible. I have never seen so many people that I find so annoying on screen at the same time in any one show. Like the actors were terrible. The writing was terrible. The theme was terrible. I was like, what is this spinoff even? And uh, so then I got it through Amazon Video. They were uploading seasons and I was like, okay, I don't have any Walking Dead to watch or I've gone off it or whatever. So I'm going to see what they did in next seasons of Fear the Walking Dead. And actually, I ended up watching it without subtitles. Because I just figured I wasn't supposed to know any of the Spanish that was being said. So there were, like, whole entire episodes that had, like, maybe five lines of English in them. And I was like, this is a bold idea for people to watch them <laughs> And Turns out, no, I was just missing big chunks of the story. But, um, yeah, so I, that's kind of how I've been watching it. Is I've been not watching it when it is on week to week. But I've been binging big seasons. So I only just finished season four of Fear the Walking Dead, Mm -hmm. and uh, I watched so many of those episodes back to back because I thought this season was so good, except, like, I like the character of Morgan, I like the actor of Morgan, but I kind of wish he'd stayed in The Walking Dead because I think killing off a lot of the major characters in Fear the Walking Dead has, like, the Rick effect. In that it allows characters that are still alive to fill some of those other roles and to make it so that no one is, like, the main character of Fear the Walking Dead. Except for that they transplanted Morgan over and he's such a big character and such a big actor that they, like, he takes up too much of the story, I feel Mm -hmm. like, and he's not, it's not compelling enough, like...
2: Yeah, he definitely... He is the Rick of that show now. Yeah. And there is, is no Rick.
1: I think. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's no Rick on The Walking Dead, and we feel the benefits of that. And maybe... Like, maybe Season 5 will be more of an ensemble piece. You kind of get that... A little bit of that sense from the trailer for Season 5. However, mm, it does... I haven't
1: seen the trailer, so... <laughs> yeah,
2: well, I mean, we don't have to talk about it then, but uh, mm. the, the... Morgan does take a center role in if not the first half of that season but definitely the second half as he is like rallying the troops. Mm-hmm. So
0: um yeah. And, and I think that definitely on in season 4 my biggest takeaway from Fear the Walking Dead was I didn't like the first two seasons and season 3 had its moments where I was like oh I'm enjoying this. Oh, I'm not enjoying this. Oh, I'm enjoying this. But I think
1: season 4 season had such a season 3 was a hot mess that yeah. thing was all over the place. I had forgotten exactly what happened because that's sometimes what happens with binge watching, right? You watch yeah. so many episodes, you you forget exactly what happened. So I watched so many episodes in a row of that season. But I was just like, when I went back and read a synops- synopsis, it was like, they were here, then they were there. And then they were here and there and there. And then they did this. And then they were over here. And then this happened. And then <laughs> Oh, do you remember this? And I was like, what the hell uh, it was like one episode had a different bad guy in a different location every time it was it was a hot yeah. mess of a season well it's, <laughs>
2: it's interesting because what they've done with you know seasons one through three is like every season felt like oh we got to fix this and they try something new and the start of season three was interesting in that it introduced this conflict between you know this racist tension between you know white ranchers and you know, uh, First Nations people in uh, in America, Texas, I think, like it was the southern part of of, uh, of the states. And then season two yeah, was dealing Texas, with like because
1: they got captured coming back over the border from Mexico, right? Yeah. So-
2: and season two tried to play with the Mexico America border type stuff, which I thought you know had interesting ties, but they never went, they never really leaned into it as much as you'd hope. And season three was the same thing. Uh, it kind of just ended with like, yeah. The white guys were super racist and and uh it just kind of it kind of kept going from there and it was really bad so we took care of it right um yep. but season four was kind of to put that all aside it took very great care to remove the characters that were extra baggage from the first three seasons and i think that they they, they kept I, the right people around inside. i
0: loved i loved our villain for the second half of season
2: the second half of season four uh yeah. I like the villain in the first half too, eh? With the vultures. I thought those were yeah, they, very good. They
0: weren't, they weren't bad. Uh they they had their moments, but I thought the the fact that the second half of the season is just one person causing all the chaos, mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. That's not something we've seen in any of the shows before. Yeah,
2: and just kind of right, like a very mentally ill, you know, woman who has suffered from from the apocalypse and she's just from like trauma, Yeah, trauma. Yeah, trauma. But I mean it can't be it, it must be noted that the the vultures the leader of the those those villains in the first season uh the kid from Airbud and I think that can't be overstated enough that he <laughs> uh he he rose from the many sequels of Airbud. I don't think he was in any of that. I think he was just in the first one. But now he was a he is forever going to be gone down as a villain in Fear the Walking Dead. I will always remember him from Airbud but uh, that might just be me. Well
1: that's why I think that's so interesting that you keep calling them the villain because they didn't really come across until the end. Till the end, yeah. When when his brother went a little bit nuts and was like okay well if they're not going to fall naturally I'm going to force it and like I would say The brother was the villain, not even necessarily the vultures, because I just think that the vultures were, again, a a very interesting take on what it would take to survive in the apocalypse and how people would go about that. And so they basically just took scavenging to a new level Mm -hmm. and, you know, began seeking out communities because of their own experience and like their their experience in the first. Settlement that they tried after the apocalypse, and then being vultures and going settlement to settlement afterwards. Like they have seen settlements fall over and over and over and over over again, so they're just being a little proactive about it. But I like that they were like, "No, we're not going to fight you. You're just you're going to have to leave on your own. And when you do, we'll just clean up after you, and then we'll go on our way." Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was that was really interesting because it wasn't like they're going to kill us all. This big threat of violence. They were like, "No, we'll just sit here and wait you out. Like no big deal."
2: It was a bit of a bummer that they did eventually like give up that tenant of their group and just kind of go the evil, evil route. I thought that was a little, it wasn't lame. It was, it, it's the walking dead. No, but kind of I, I agree. Happen. I
1: wish, I wish that it hadn't gone that way because yeah, but they needed a way to end the stadium and, end Madison at the same time. Mm-hmm. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And I guess, you know, to wrap this all up, I think we'll probably have, we will definitely have to have you back on when Fear the Walking Dead kicks back off and we can have like maybe a mid season conversation, but sure, um, with Morgan, it was always the idea that he's eventually going to snap out of his, you know, sort of pacifist. selfish. Yeah. pacifist, selfish mental state and want to go back to Alexandria. And we did get a sense of that in the second half of the season did you was it? Did you find it was believable at the end of the Not second half?
1: Not even a little.
2: Not even a little. They like yeah. like, "Hey, I'm gonna stay here and 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 take over this Levi jeans factory and make it a good place." Oh,
1: man, I, the whole like let's go back to Alexandria thing. I mean, and it's probably a lot to do with just like stuff that you know outside of the show because it is a show. I mean, if I was living in the zombie apocalypse and I came across Morgan and he was like, "Let's go back to Alexandria," I could get behind it. But it's like when you know that he's just been brought over from another property like they're not going to send everybody back there's not they're not going to blend fear the walking dead with the walking dead and make one grand large community and run two hour episodes every night or anything crazy like that so the whole thing I just felt like really like would you really walk across the whole entire country and then turn around and go back again mm-hmm. like I don't know
2: <laughs> at least that we I car. didn't find
1: I guess. Yeah, at least he has a car. But I you know what I mean? Like, I just I never found any of that believable. I just yeah, I feel like um, if I was in the zombie apocalypse and I made a decision to leave a place, (laughs) I would just assume that I'm never going to see those people again. And if my reasons for leaving were big enough that i was okay with never seeing those people again then i would leave and if i wasn't okay with never seeing those people again then i would stay so since he made the decision to leave i mean those people are for all intents and purposes dead to him whether they actually are still alive or whether they've died it doesn't matter they are dead to him there's no mo- like no mode of transportation no means of communication across that vast of a distance in any kind of reliable fashion so If I made the decision to leave, I think it's really, really dumb that he (laughs) would then be like, oh, no, actually, I'm going to go back. I was like, lame, which I think his like insistence on going back to Alexandria was what made me dislike the it's like that they kept going back to the idea of The Walking Dead and fear The Walking Dead. That's what made me not like Morgan's character in the second because it was definitely the second half of the season where morgan really started to wear on me mm-hmm. I, I always just viewed him wanting to go back as more like i need to
0: rescue these people now that i've found some good people that i can bring them back to my
1: friends was the kind of way i viewed it but, but i feel like but, why not just try to find somewhere safe that you can settle like close to where you are now like why bother the and, taking I, and I think way back? And
0: that's kind of what they do at the end of the season and yeah. i was like okay good this is where they need needs to be because we don't need any more confusion with the timeline thank you very much yeah. Exactly.
1: yeah, you don't need confusion with the timeline. You don't need confusion with the characters and who's on what show and all that kind of stuff. Like, just keep the, you've made the the changeover. You've moved Morgan from one show to the other. Just leave, leave him there. <laughs> you do know that we have another
0: crossover coming next season where somebody else from Walking Dead is going to join the cast.
1: I did not know that.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. All right,
2: well, and, and yeah, like, uh, and and that is, and if you're looking to avoid sp- spoilers jocelyn that is unveiled in oh no in the i'm not
1: i'm i am i am not at all looking to avoid spoilers at all don't oh, okay. worry about well, that well lou at it, least uh
2: at least the lou i it's, guess
0: what's his name that daryl tells to leave from the savior's group with the burn face dwight dwight
1: oh dwight okay yeah i can get behind that because dwight yeah. hasn't been in the walking yeah. dead for for and, a bit now the, so in the
0: in the trailer they show him and daryl coming across each other and it's kind of like uh, Hey, yeah, it's, and that's kind of the only hint of him is they run into each other and they both kind of look at each other and go, uh,
1: hi. (laughs) Well,
2: they're all, they're also, it'll be interesting. Their dynamic because last we left them, like Morgan was seriously not into the saviors in a way where he had to leave. So he didn't kill them all. And Dwight was, you know, sort of brought over. He was a turncoat, but then he was also exiled from everybody at the end of it. Um, so it'll, it'll be an interesting dynamic, uh, but I'm I'm curious, you know, just to kind of, you know, wrap up the conversation with you know Morgan and uh, Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, it's funny I had a point and then I lost it, but uh, it's oh now I found it. Um, in the Walking Dead, did you find it kind of weird that nobody kind of mourned Morgan disappearing, or did they just kind of chalk it up to glad the crazy guy's gone with the staff, right? They never addressed it.
1: They didn't address it, but I feel like uh, Fear the Walking Dead with those first few scenes of everyone trying to talk to Morgan and talk him into coming back to all the different communities. I feel like that was them addressing it is Uh, that like each leader went to go talk to him. And it sucks if you only watch The Walking Dead because then you're right. It is a little jarring. But if you did see the first episode of Fear the Walking Dead... Then I feel like, um, you know, all the leaders from the various communities went and talked to Morgan, tried to get him to come back. It didn't work. And then they found that, you know, the junkyard had been abandoned. So I feel like that was them addressing the issue. And I'm sure that had we seen the um, like if we had episodes in that kind of time skip era, then we would have seen scenes of like Carol telling everybody and Rick telling everybody, oh, I talked to Morgan, but he refused to come or, you know, yeah. now he's gone. We wish him well, like they would have had all those scenes. So I feel like, yeah, they didn't address it on Walking Dead, but they definitely did on Fear the Walking Dead. And yeah. I'm totally fine with that. Yeah,
2: I guess it's just re- far enough removed for me that I'm kind of It just question the questions popped in my head. But. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think all in all, a very strong season of Fear the Walking Dead. Looking forward to season five. We'll obviously... I loved
1: a lot of the characters that they added to the show. I mm-hmm. really liked Jenna Elfman. I thought she was interesting and compelling. And oh, my God, my favorite character on any of the shows <laughs> of ever is John. He is just I yep. love I love that there is someone that even in the face of the apocalypse is still just a straight up good person. And yes, he hasn't had to make a lot of the choices that some of the other people did because he had already isolated himself from people prior to the apocalypse. But I still feel like, you know, it's just it's just nice to have a straight up good person in an apocalypse survival show.
0: Yeah, it, Morgan was the kind of the guy, kind of like making the moral choices and be like, no, we need to do the good things. We need to do the good things. And then he runs into John Dory, and John Dory's like, no, 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 you're still kind of gray. We need to do more good things. And you're like, yeah. okay, this is nice. This is very different from regular Walking Dead. There's way less drama and more them trying to save people. I like this.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, it it also is nicer for the viewer because it's like you. Really feel like you can root for someone in the show because that was always my problem with Fear the Walking Dead is like I didn't care if any of them died because they were all kind of crappy people. Now I feel like I can really get behind John and I can really get behind even Morgan to to, to some extent because they're trying to do the right thing and by trying to be good and trying to do the right thing they're probably putting themselves in much much more danger Mm -hmm. but... They're doing it for the good of not just their community, not just their friends, but the good of what they hope to be a society in the future. And I think that's a that's a much more uplifting message and a much more interesting story than just every time we find people, we got to kill each other, because if we yep. don't kill them, they'll kill us like that. Yep. That's old. Like, I like the idea of, OK, we're going to find people and they might try to kill us, but let's try. It's like the extension of what Madison was trying to do at the stadium, right? Yep people might try to kill us, but how about instead of us just trying to kill them back? What if we try talking to them instead? Like, is there anything salvageable here Mm -hmm. of like mankind or are we just all eventually going to die because we just kill each other?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And there's uh, I think season five, at least the beginning of it will revolve around the fact that they've been helping people for a long time. And I don't even think they introduce a villain or they kind of hint at some some negativity and some some evil there but really it's i guess it stems from morgan trying to help people and you help people until you can't help them no longer right and uh it'll be an interesting first season a couple of returning characters uh from you know fear the walking dead and the walking dead it's a great trailer highly suggest you guys check it out uh and it's returning june 2nd so we won't have long to wait jocelyn will definitely have you back on to discuss fear the walking dead i think it's going to be a great uh season i'm looking forward to, i know lou's looking forward to it uh, I'm, I'm excited i, I think we're I'm all never excited to it.
0: about walking dead <laughs> uh, you
2: you can you, you can get excited you can get excited with this one i think it's a good one to get excited about but uh before we head on out of here jocelyn why don't you let everybody know where they can find you on the internet
1: Uh, Sure, you can follow me on Twitter and Twitch at JossPlays, that's J-O-C-E Plays, and you can find links to the shows and show notes for a lot of stuff I do over at TGIStudios.com.
2: Perfect, thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast talking about The Walking Dead, finally getting through the Whisper Arc. Lou, thank you for watching six episodes in a row, (laughs) you trooper. Uh, (laughs) Because I know you've been hurting, and you've been sending me messages. I told you, I
0: watched those first four, and I sent you a message, and I was like oh i got two more i know i was like just watch them
2: (laughs) just watch them be strong be strong uh and i'm glad you did and if you want to join in the conversation you can go to our discord bit.ly slash discord i want to thank the patrons over at patreon.com slash zombies ain't my podcast you can find more of our lovely episodes over at ZombiesAteMyPodcast.com. Send us your thoughts, info at ZombiesAteMyPodcast.com if you have any thoughts and feelings on Fear the Walking Dead or The Walking Dead, pretty much anything zombie-related. We'll, we'll read it on the show. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at R. Murphy on Twitter, Lou at BusyZombieLord, Bob at BobberDef, and, again, Jocelyn at Plays. And, finally, a quick shout-out to Joel Duggan for the artwork. and go to his stuff, JoelDuggan.com. This has been Zombies Ate My Podcast. And remember, Jocelyn, what should we do? Remember to do what? I always, I should just throw it to you. Go ahead.
1: Shoot him in the brain.
2: Yeah, nailed it. See you, everybody. (laughs)